We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Two Jocks and a Slub, the show where the content is made up and the segments don't matter. We've been merging beer, sports, and nonsense since 2021. I am one jock, Colin Samelia, along with my co-host and uh, friendly jock, Matt Root. Matt, say hello. Howdy, everyone. Cheers. (laughs) And then, of course, we have my other co-host, the irritable schlub, Ethan Ertz. Ethan, say hello. Hello. I was expecting a mirror. <laughs> Maybe I'll start doing that from now on. Just like, eh. Yeah, you got to give us something. But wow, uh, guys, we haven't recorded in about a week and a half because we were doing a Monday schedule there for a minute to fit in a few guests. And a lot has happened since then. A lot happened just today, which is really crazy. So we picked a good day to record. Um, Matt, I want to give you an opportunity, though. Uh, we had something special happen between, uh, you know, I think between the last couple of episodes, somebody very special to all three of us start listening to the show. So I'd like to get that in real quick uh, to start the episode, Matt, if you want to tell us what's going on there. Hi, Mom. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Lisa. She, uh, she, as I, as I showed you guys, she offered to stop listening because I warned her that she may hear some, um, let's say, unseemly or ungentlemanly type language on this podcast. Well, so yeah, so I want to, so Lisa, uh, um, I was the one I had kind of mentioned that to Matt that I was a little concerned that you had probably never heard me speak the way that I do on my on the on the podcast, and so. I just, I just wanted you to have fair warning of, you know, cause I don't think you, I don't know if I don't, Matt, I don't know if your mom realized how crass and vulgar I am. Cause you know, at your house, I was always, you know, censoring that. So <laughs> I just, I just wanted her to know. So yeah, like she said, it, it's, it's like having us in the background in the house. She <laughs> enjoys it very much. And the one is, thing I don't lovely. have on the soundboard is a bleep noise. So I wouldn't even be able to just like anticipate when Ethan's going to say something dumb and then <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, uh, did you, did you eat all those cookies or are there any left? Oh, I ate them all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. I ate all the chocolate chip cookies that Matt gave me that you made. They were delicious. God. 
So yep. jealous. Yep, they were very good. And then next time you're up here, you just got to time it for around when my mom's here. And I think they were coming up the last time when we were there in June. I think they were coming like the weekend after. Yeah, like, yeah. right. You, yeah. you were just you just missed it. Now this this time she made them here, and I had to like specifically put some in a bag and set them aside because I was like, if I just leave them in the big bin, I'm going to eat them all. Ugh. Um. So. Yeah. I controlled myself. I actually just ate the last two a couple nights ago. So, oh wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I, know, I finished I know. them they like a long time. Yeah, they only lasted like two days for me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, little, usually when I go home, mom will pack me a bag, kind of like the one I gave you, Ethan. And mm. um, not gonna say I'm trying to fight this recently, but there have been times where I won't even make it to drive home, and I'm just like, ah, I need to eat these. Mm. <laughs> Maybe partly because of stress, partly because I miss home. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get that. And I'll say real quick too, this is not not relevant, but. As you can tell by by what me and Matt are saying and by Colin's reaction, Matt's mom, is, she makes great cookies and still one of my favorite cookies of all time. I don't know if she does this much anymore, but she used to do like a mint chocolate chip cookie and it was so good. And what the roots, what Matt does in his family, I don't know if you guys still do this, but they used to like leave the cookies in the freezer, right? Or the fridge, freezer, right? Freezer, freezer. Yeah. And then they would have this like nice kind of like coolness and texture. They were very tasty. And like the mint chocolate chip when it was coming out of the freezer, mm, so good. No, so so you bake it just slightly underbaked, and you freeze it. So you get that mo- like it's got the cookie shape, but it's nice and moist. And actually, Ethan, that that's got to be one that's got to be passed down to my dad because that's usually his specialty. Oh, uh, okay, dad, dad John. And, and I'll tell you the secret there. Not only do you need the mint chips that you put in, it's a chocolate cookie with mint chips, but he takes half of the chocolate chips and he melts them and he mixes it right into the batter. That, mm. That's the secret there. That that's that's the, the that sounds right. Yeah, fucking mint delicious. Chocolate mint chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> yeah, oh. really good. Man, I don't I don't think great is the right word. We we need to think of a better word for great because I think those cookies are better than great. Well, I, I for for you, Colin, I still remember let's get the, the way back machine. <laughs> JV I know baseball. Exactly what you're gonna say. JV baseball. <laughs> we went. We played in spring break week. We were playing in Mexico, Mexico, New York. Excuse me, Mexico, New York. And uh, my mom came out to the game. It was during the day and like during the weekend, during the day and entrusted Colin with this giant container of cookies that was supposed to be for the whole bus as we were driving back. And I remember just getting on the bus and Colin's like holding it like a breadbasket football on the back of the bus, just like <laughs> sitting there with <laughs> it's like, come on, Colin, those are for everyone. And Colin, no, <laughs> no, those are me. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely a treat. Um Many, many have tried to imitate. Only few can actually get close. I try every once in a while and they're okay. My brother is actually getting pretty good. He actually makes a vegan, a vegan version. That's pretty good too. So huh. uh, um, I, I was very skeptical, but I have to say they're pretty tasty. So uh, Dave, if you're listening, make me some cookies. <laughs> Send them to me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, well, we're, we're, we have a guest coming on here in a couple minutes, but before that, uh, let's talk about our beers and uh, get that in since we're talking food. Cool. Well, shout out, shout out to the Landry's. I've got uh, from up in New York, Beer Tree Brewing. We talked about that once before. I've got a, uh, it's called FICA, F-I-K-A. It's a coffee, hazelnut, cinnamon, milk stout from Beer Tree Brewing, uh, courtesy of the Landry's. Thank you very much. It's very tasty. Not too much cinnamon, which like cinnamon, you know, like overpower the beer sometimes. Just a hint of cinnamon, perfect coffee, hazelnut in there. Ooh, it's good. It's good. Um, shout out to the Landry's and to Matt. 
<laughs> because so the Landry's gave these to Matt and Matt gave me this can when we were hanging out. Uh, what was it? Two weekends ago, I guess now, right? Yep. Matt? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I'm drinking the same exact beer. I forgot I sent one with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. It was my last beer left. Cause I, obviously I drank the IPAs first. Right. And I figured this oh. is my only beer. So I was like, Oh, I'll have this tonight. And, uh, so yeah, it's delicious. Everything Matt said is, uh, I would agree. And actually the thing that's interesting, normally, Modern, like sweet stouts are usually way too sweet for me. Matt and I have tried several together. I've tried some on my own. This one's actually like pretty well balanced, I think. It's sweet, but it's not like cloyingly sweet. It's it's not like a fucking spoonful of sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one this one's pretty good. Now I, like I will it. say, Ethan, um to the detriment of my bank account, sorry to cut you off, Colin, but I did order the full set of Pastry Town stouts today. That all 10 bottles that they were releasing in preparation. <laughs> um, I'll be picking those up in a couple of weeks. And I know, I know you don't like the super sweet ones and they're all ridiculous and terrible and sweet. You know, just look at it. one of these future podcasts. I'll drink one and just read off the list. I mean, like one of the beers has potato chips in it. Like, Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So, but, but we will, I will offer some to have with both of you guys the next time I see you. Yeah. I'll sample some with you. I mean, I'll have like a small, you know, I'll have like a small bit of something. Yeah. And luckily it's only 16 ounces. So if, if I give you guys some, I, I just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to drink down the whole bottle of that stuff. You're going to yeah. get the diabetes. Exactly. Um, which actually also side note, another place in Florida named angry chair, which is known for the super sweet stouts um, released a beer called Wilfred. Because so many people started making fun of them for having sweet stouts. But sorry. Hi, Andrew. Colin, sorry. I'll throw it back to you. <laughs> no, no so worries. Andrew Otandi, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you today? Is this live right now? Like, not live, but this is this is the recording? This is it. You're in the real oh, thing. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> yeah, we were like just it. talking about the beers that, that we're drinking today. Uh, so so we're, uh, we, all, we always try to shout out the beers. And uh, the, I was going to say, uh, before we get into Andrew... Uh, the Landry's, I think, probably have the most shout outs of anybody on the show. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> keeping track of that, but oh. I, I would guess they're in the lead right now. So. <laughs> I'm not drinking beer. I'm drinking water. I'm, I'm staying hydrated. That, that's, that's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, Andrew came prepared because he knows we're going to hit him with these like real hard <laughs> Yankee questions. And he was like, I, I don't want to be stumbling. No, no, Andrew's, Andrew's a relatively new dad too so i'm sure he's just being responsible whereas i'm like and eh, my kid's in bed i'm good <laughs> <laughs> i could definitely use a beer after the day that i had but uh i try and stick the rule of uh not on work and not on school nights not on school nights <laughs> pretty good that's pretty good yeah i don't always stick to it but i try <laughs> i'm I, I feel yeah i am unsuccessfully trying to stick to not on weekdays other than podcast day that's what my, was a rule Fair i enough. threw out there for me and I'm not doing a good job, but I'm trying anyway. <laughs> uh, we still love you, Matt. But oh. all right. Well, uh, so for listeners, uh, Andrew is uh, our, our Blue Wire connection. Uh, he is uh, a big shot here at, at the network and uh, also has a, a show uh, on Blue Wire, the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It's a Yankee podcast, part of the whole Bronx Pinstripes mega empire, if you will. And uh, he is our resident Yankee expert tonight, taking over for the three of us. Andrew's probably got the wisdom of the three of us put together. So right, I thought right. this was a, a really good opportunity to have him come on now that it's officially the off season. And it may be a long one, depending on how that looming CBA deal uh, happens. But I'm going to turn it over to you guys first. Andrew and I talk plenty, but you guys, if you got some questions, if you want to talk, go ahead, shoot them off. 
I, I got one right from the get-go. Um, pretty obvious one, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the, on the Booney rehiring. I am, I'm, so me and Matt and Colin have talked about this a bunch. I'm cool with it because I trust Cashman and also because Aaron Judge spoke about him like very glowingly. And I also like trust Judge's impression. Um, so for me, that's enough and, and I'm cool with it, but I know that it's, you know, pretty polarizing. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, if if it were up to me, I would not have re-signed Boone. But that's not to say that I think Boone is the the problem on this team. I think I think he is he is a problem, but not the problem. The roster ultimately is a much bigger concern than than who the manager is. And they did clean some of the coaching out. Um, but it, to me, that even was a red flag because. Like we got the report after the wild card game that Phil Nevin was too much of a bad influence on Aaron Boone. It's like <laughs> if you're letting your freaking third base coach, who who wasn't even with the team for a good portion of the season because he was out with COVID, if he is like negatively influencing the manager, like isn't that a red flag that maybe the manager doesn't have a full grasp on what's going on? Now, again, I I think the Yankees can win a championship with Aaron Boone if the roster is significantly changed and upgraded, because ultimately I think managers in today's game have pretty low impact. Um, I think a lot of it is decided as a unit, the, the front office, the, the analytics department, the, the scouts, like all of the above. I mean, he can still negatively inf- impact in-game decisions. Like he could make stupid bullpen mistakes and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I think he does. And um, if I have to watch him not pinch run a guy on a 0-0 count and wait until a 1-0 or an 0-1 count one more time, I'm going to gouge my freaking eyes out. Yeah. But <laughs> I think your question was, how do I feel about Boone? I think you can tell how I feel about Boone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's a good fair. point, though, because I think, I think the bad, the bad <clears throat> choices are definitely amplified quite a bit more, whether it's what early in the season there was a pretty bad no, uh, what the review play and was it Baltimore? I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank here, but or a couple instances yes, where it's just like where he waited, he he didn't review a play in like the eighth inning mm, because yeah, he yeah. said he was saving his challenge. It's like, well, it's the eighth inning of a tie game. I don't know really how much more you can save it he, other than that. Exactly. Like, uh, so I guess the, the the bad choices get amplified quite a bit these days, and Ethan and Colin are usually pretty quick to talk about that. That um, a lot of the choices aren't necessarily his anymore. You know, he's he's more of a, a a team, I don't know, not personality guy, but a team chemistry guy. But how and, did that go this year? Oh, that's what I mean. That's that's what I fire back and say, hey, I, I'm I'm sick of hearing, you know, well, well, he just didn't have his stuff tonight, or he's having a tough time, or it, like sometimes you got to be the disciplinarian. Sometimes you got to bench Gary Sanchez when he makes such a bad pass ball mistake that Ethan and I witnessed them lose a game to the Baltimore Orioles that they should have won. And the only thing that redeemed that night was the concert after the show. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, that should, that should, that should result in the benching. That should result in the talking to, not a, uh, it was a tough play. Well, no shit, but he's a major leaguer and sometimes you need to kind of get on him. Yeah. Same with Glaber Torres. There are numerous instances this season with Glaber that he should have been benched and disciplined harder than he ultimately was. And what we got was the same mistakes over and over again until they finally took him out of shortstop with what, two weeks to go in the season. Yep. Like, okay, I give him credit for making the move, a, a decision that was probably tough, but it was also kind of late. Like, we all knew he wasn't a shortstop well before September 15th. 
Yeah. And all, all of this, like what Matt was alluding to when he came at Ethan and I, I think maybe like right after the season ended when we kind of did our Yankee obituary on the year, that was all before this leaked report came out about what happened in the clubhouse, which makes the decision a little bit more curious in my opinion. Like, and Andrew, you know, this, like I, I do tend to trust Cashman and Hale that they're in this step together. And, but anyone who knows me knows like I I've never been fully bought in to Aaron Boone. And so like, if he had, he had done enough, in my opinion, especially with the way they got slaughtered uh, against Tampa in that last uh, that last Saturday of the season when they had a chance to still mm-hmm. you know, get the game at home, the the wild card game. And I was like, that that's that was the last straw for me. I was like, they they totally gave up. Like there was just no fire. Let's move on. And then you know they they come out and they say all this, and and I'm I'm not saying that Cashman's not going to go out and change the roster, but to hear the stories about what happened with Cole and Gardner and even the fact that the, the stories got out themselves is a huge problem. Like CC Sabathia went off on that and R2C2 you know, saying like, that should never happen. Like he, he doesn't care what the stories are. Like there shouldn't be someone leaking that. And so the, the whole, like Aaron Boone's this great chemistry guy. Like now I'm even more confused. Like, is he like, what, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. It's a fair question. Like the team, the team, played like crap for most of most of the season with the exception of August. I think August was, was the best month and they had the, the long winning streak. But mm-hmm. after after they lost, um, after the winning streak came to an end, I said on my podcast uh, that now's the time to just start playing good baseball, right? Like you've, you've put yourself back into contention. You're now in a playoff spot. You're obviously not going to play 800 ball for the rest of the year, but play like a good team for the rest of the year. And I think they lost like 11 out of their next 15 or something like horrific. It's like, yeah, that's on the players, but it's also on the manager for being like, oh yeah, you guys are good now. Like, don't worry about it. You, you got this. You won 11, 12 in a row. Yeah. It's like, no, you, it just something, there was something broken in that clubhouse and um, Boone, I don't think did anything to make it better. And I think since his hiring in 2018, he's regressed every single season. I thought 2018, he was a raw manager. He made a lot of mistakes, but like, I still saw like pretty good instincts and like things that I think, okay, he could build on this. And like the way they exited the 2018 playoffs, he, he left Sabathia in the game way too long against the Red Sox. And I was like, okay, that's a, mis- that's a mistake. And he's going to learn from that. I don't think he's learned from that mistake. I think he's gotten worse since that mistake happened. <laughs> and if, if your guy's going down, not up, what are we doing? Giving him another three-year contract. Well, and I was the, just the about argument... to ask, do you think the three-year contract's a bit of a red herring? Do you think it's really like a it's a three-year contract, but it's really kind of a prove it or prove it or lose it next year type deal? I don't think so. The Yankees have not fired a manager. They uh, they they just they mutually part ways, right? Their contracts expire. This was the year to to get rid of Boone. Right. And, uh... and it didn't happen. So unless something catastrophic happens, like they're in last place next, you know, September. He's not going anywhere <laughs> unless he pulls a Bobby Valentine with the Red Sox. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do we think? Like the, the one question I had here was since we're talking about Boone and, and then maybe we can you know talk about something other than Aaron Boone. What does he have to do 
to make this work. Like I, I'm really at a loss. Like I, I just, I don't know, even with a different roster, I just tactically, I have lost faith in him. And I know nobody cares about that because I don't have any authority, but tactically, I just don't think he's got it. And so like change the roster. Great. But if he still can't make the right decisions, like what, what does he have to do to make this work? I mean, it's gotta be like what, what you and I, Andrew were saying when, when I was on the show in like right after the winning streak or during the winning streak, like it's world series or bust, like at this point. Right. It's been that since they traded for Stan, like, let's be real. They were yeah. a game away from the World Series in 17, and then they added the National League MVP. This World Series are bust, in my opinion. And they haven't sniffed the World Series since then. Like, the closest they got, obviously, was 2019, but they got their butts kicked in that in that ALCS. And maybe, who knows, maybe Houston was cheating again. Like, at this point, I'm just so tired of the cheating talk. Like, everyone's cheating in my mind, or no one's cheating. Like, <laughs> let's just move on. Like, I can't talk about it anymore. Uh, but, yeah, what does he have to do? It, it, you just need to see different everything from this team they need to come out of spring training next year and not start off completely sloppy and sluggish and start the season 500 for the first month of month and making errors all over the field and getting thrown out at third base and leading the league in outs on the bases and and just like the same stupid mistakes like that that is coaching that is preparing your team out of spring training to to yes it's a long season and you can't play every game like it's game seven but you have to have some urgency if you're if if you're a team that you think can win a world series you have to play with some urgency and sometimes i feel like this team plays with absolutely none yeah yeah I, it would be i mean just I'm like what do you think what do you think he needs like what do you guys want to see like i just need to see with my own eyes like a different a different mentality a different product in general i'm not just talking like the on field product i'm talking about just like everything different uh, attitude different post-game stuff like everything needs to be a 180 i'd like to see him angry i'd like to see a, a dose of joe girardi angriness every once in a while where you know i mean remember, he used to snap at the press in press conferences and that, that doesn't need to happen all the time uh it doesn't need to be combative but it i i i'm I, i've said it already in this podcast i'm sick of the well you know he didn't have his stuff tonight well say he sucked tonight i mean <laughs> You know, Cora, Cora does that often. With yeah. The um, and, and, you know, Cora doesn't do it with all of his players. Um, he coddles some players, but he also will call players out. And I think that's up to the manager to know who on your team can handle getting called out and, and will then use that as motivation. And then maybe that'll turn the team around and who you have to, you know, coddle like Glaber Torres needs to be coddled. I think um, maybe Gary Sanchez needs Gary, to be Gary might. Need although. Although, supposedly Joe Girardi was too harsh on Gary Sanchez. He was an all-star under Joe Girardi, and he's been a terrible player under Aaron Boone. So maybe he was pissed off and not happy, but guess what? He was the best catcher in baseball. Like, so I'll take a pissed off good Gary Sanchez versus a happy bad Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I want to see, it, I want to see the regression stop from mm. everybody. Because, like, to your point, it has not gotten any better. Even in 2019, when they got to the ALCS, that was largely a Band-Aid team that dealt with a ton of injuries throughout the year. They had career years from, like, Geo and, um, you know, Voight and, you know, all these, all these players. Everyone else 
regression, 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 Cole, regression, like everyone that you think. And then, you know, the two big bodies this year have a great season in G and Judge, and nobody else shows up. <laughs> the season everyone's been waiting for out of two, yeah. both of them. Yeah. yeah. Like how many, how many combined games? I, I used to, I, I, we talked about this, but, um, you know, combined games between Judge and Stanton, they had Judge played 148, Stanton played 139. If like you told us that in spring training, we'd be like, well, the Yankees are going to easily win the division. Like that's the biggest X factor here is if those two guys could stay in the field and they did. Yeah. And Stanton even played the field in the second half. And he was, he was a monster in the second half. Yeah. He mashed everyone yeah. else. DJ's regression was extremely alarming this year. Yeah. Maybe he yeah. was dealing with an injury for longer than we know, but he, he just wasn't hitting the ball hard. He, he was not the same player this year. Yeah. I'm hoping it was the injury because Matt is the only one who ever supported the DJ signing. Uh, Ethan and I were never on board with that. Um, we just could see the regression given the age, but I mean, like the last thing I'll say, like, like for, for the regression piece is like, okay, so how do you fix regression? To me, it comes back to the fundamentals. And that's like another point that you brought up, Andrew, is like, all right, so if we're all in agreement that you know, maybe in game, Aaron Boone and as an extension, the coaching staff are not as responsible for like what's happening on the field, where they are responsible is between every single game in spring training during you know batting practice like making sure that these players are sharp with their skills and i just i haven't seen a sharp yankee team since 2009 i i, I can't even remember the last time because then they were old and and slow and then they were super unathletic like the amount of times that dd used to get thrown out on the bases used to drive me crazy and, you know, now it looks like all of them have never played a single game of baseball in their lives. And, and if they, you know, they try to do something, they get thrown out at, at home plate by five feet. And you know, let's look, also look acknowledge that that's, that's part, that's the, those are a lot of the players that Cashman's put on this roster is yeah. poor defensive players, unathletic players, guys who, when put into a situation where they need to go first to third, they're not going to give you a good jump on the ball for the most part. So part of it, it's, again, it's not all on coaching, but, if this team comes out next April, and I'm not talking about slow starts from players in the, in the stat line. I'm talking about the sloppiness. If they come out sloppy in April, that's a huge red flag to me. Like, oh, nothing has changed. You guys just think you're the hot shit. You think you've won the championship on March. You're the March champions, and you think that's good enough. It's like, no. It's, I got to see change from the start or else – I'm not going to believe in this team. Like it, how, how are we, we all as Yankees fans need to see something different. If we're going to believe that this, this team is going to be the one that does it. Uh, Colin, part of it too, I think, you know, not, not just you, you, like you, you can't control the regression on field, but I think you can control simple decisions like sitting a red hot Luke Voigt for a subpar Anthony Rizzo. I mean, there was there was a, a point during you know the most critical stretch of the year where Voight was Voight couldn't miss the ball. Right after he kind of lost his job and was pissed off, he couldn't miss the ball, and yet we were still putting Anthony Rizzo in the lineup every day. And and yeah, Rizzo's a great defender, and I think I still like that acquisition. But at some point, you got to get you got to get Luke more bats. You can't just let him pinch it every once in a while. 
so there are still as tactical moves that need to be changed as well. I mean, that that's the change I want to see. And but yeah. the, the sluggishness definitely needs to be fixed as well. Yeah, it's just like there's buttons that need to be pressed throughout the season, and, and Boone sometimes struggles to even find the button. Never mind, press the right one. <laughs> You guys want to get off this topic? Yeah, I do. I'm done. I'm sick of talking about. Okay, I, I got, I got two, I got two fun topics. Tell me about the first Yankees game you ever saw in person, Ooh. and tell me about your favorite utility or role player for the Yankees. Because I don't know a good a good role answer, but I've got three I love. I the first Yankees game I ever saw in person. I. I Honestly, do not know the answer to this. Okay, <laughs> that's not bad though. I feel like I should know the answer to this. As a kid, so I grew up in Rhode Island, so I would go to Fenway Park quite often because they were about an hour away okay. versus Yankee Stadium. So m- my family would always do one Yankee Stadium trip a year, and we would do pretty much every time the Yankees were playing at Fenway. So three times a year, we would go up to Fenway. The exception being if it was a weeknight, we probably were not going to be there. But if it was a weekend, we were going to be there. So I, uh, one of the first games I remember, I want to say this was 99 uh, at Fenway. Uh, Jeter and Knobloch led off the games with home runs and O'Neal hit two home runs in the game as well. So, uh, and O'Neal was always my guy growing up. And I also saw on my birthday, I think the next year, the Yankees put up 19 runs at Fenway Park. Um, So that was pretty awesome as well. But like I was... 10 years old at that point so i i had to have seen games before that i just like can't remember i should ask my dad he probably remembers <laughs> and i i i bring it up because i still remember my first yankee we we did the same thing it was once a year we would either go to to yankee stadium because for us it was like five five hours from syracuse or one year we did uh you know the rogers center uh, in up in toronto which was about is the that? same distance Neat, neat. It was a good. It was a good awesome. stadium. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I saw Boomer Wells started for the Blue Jays against the Yankees. Nice. nice. Uh, Rondell White hit a home run. Rondell mm. White shot out. <laughs> wow. um, but the first game I saw in Yankee Stadium ever was uh, against the Mariners because Collins' boy A Rod hit a home run. Uh, <laughs> Griffey hit a three run shot. Paul O'Neill, I think, had two homers, but they still lost nine to seven. So at least it's a good game. When you drive that far and you see a terrible game, you see the Yankees get crushed. It's like. Yeah. Uh, that's ha- had happened a couple times to us. And, yeah. We yeah. we went to Baltimore one year and saw the Yankees get one hit by Aaron Loop, and uh, <laughs> the one hit was a, a Bobby Abreu bloop single, and I was just like, oh, "Hold on, was this holy two- crap? This is two thousand six. Two thousand six. Yeah, it was. Right, we were doing college visits, so yeah. Was it a Saturday? Yes, I was at that game. Oh, shit. <laughs> because because we went for the weekend and we went to the Friday night game. And Jorge Posada hit a go-ahead home run in like the seventh or eighth inning, and then we went to the Saturday game, and we had box seats to the Saturday game. Oh, I was wow. we were in like the fifth row, and they got one hit. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a Saturday because we were we were doing college visits, so 2006 is perfect. That was it. Yeah, and it, was it was just a loop single to short right. And I just yep. remember thinking this Holy sucks. Crap. This is Holy so crap. boring. I remember that. Yeah, one hit. As soon as you said they got one hit, I was like, how many times could they have got one hit in Baltimore? Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, what was your first game? Do you remember? I'd have to ask my parents. I'm pretty sure it was 95. Um, but I would have, yeah, I would have been a kid. And so I don't, I don't remember much. I want to say that I saw them play the Mariners at some point. 
And I think it was 95 because I'm pretty sure I saw Donnie once before he retired. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think, but I'd have to ask my dad. I might be misremembering. Um, so, but that's, that's what I have in my head, I think. Yeah. My, mine was opening day 95. We used to do opening day back when it was affordable to go to those type of games. <laughs> and, uh, I, we used to, we, I did old timers day once. I remember the ovation that, uh, Yogi got just for, it seemed like it was forever. Like people just stood up and clapped and I was like a 10 year old kid and like, what's going on? Like, and, and everything. <laughs> who is this but, guy? <laughs> <laughs> No, you yeah. knew who he was. Sorry. You guys I knew old. who he was, but I didn't know about the mystique so much then. So are you guys old or new stadium guys? Old. 100 percent Uh after the game I saw on Labor Day, I'm a new stadium guy. <laughs> this year, Labor Day? I ate my body weight in prime ribs. Flame and yon. So um just pro tip, uh they had legends or champion suites that was in the furthest suite all the way down on the third baseline but it was like 250 bucks a seat for labor day which I, that's expensive that's really really expensive for a, a baseball game but it was half the price of what you would normally pay if you bought at the box office hmm. so like we're gonna do this i'm gonna do this we're gonna go i'm gonna eat all the fancy shit um i mean it was it was a blast it was a lot of fun yeah we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, so the thing is, uh, I mean, the old stadium like was always my it was always my favorite. Like, there's benefits to the new stadium, like the fact that you can walk in the concourse and you can still see the field. <laughs> like, that's that's cool. Um, and they are improving it. Like, I've I've joked about this before. It's like they built a three billion dollar stadium and there was obstructed view seats out in <laughs> out in like the bleachers, which to me blows my mind. I, I don't know how that is possible in the year 2009. So I think they did miss on some things, but overall it's a, it's a pretty solid stadium. Not my favorite in the league, but, but, uh, but it's solid. Yeah. We, 
when we were out there on Labor Day, we actually stumbled upon Monument Park. We, we, we were just wandering around and the guy was like, come down, come down here and see before the line. And we were like, what's down there? And he was like, Monument Park. Um, so I, I missed, I missed the old days of waiting in line in the cave where you couldn't walk on the concourse. It felt like a cave. Um, and you kind of had to queue along the side and they would let you in like three at a time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, those, that was a nice, nice, uh, I don't know. There was a feel about the old stadium. I really liked. Oh, for sure. Except if you were in like one of the last rows in the upper deck, you thought you were going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill to go back to that personally. <laughs> you know, I will say one of the games we saw, we saw uh, a Yankees game. We and mom, we were talking about my mom listens to the podcast now. So we ridiculed my mom because we were in row X behind in, in one of the sections right behind the plate. And we were ridiculing her the whole time until we actually got to the stadium that day. It was like 95 degree temperatures and like rows um, W, X, Y, and Z were the only, only ones that were in the shade. <laughs> and I was like, we were like, mom, you're the best. You're the genius. Like, I'm so sorry. Everything we said, it was so hot that day, but it was, they were perfect seats. We just couldn't see the very far right field corner, which so Moose started that day. I can't remember who they were playing, but I remember Bernie hit a walk off in the 10th inning. Mm. And it was in that right field corner that we couldn't <laughs> see the ball go out. That was the one thing I was like, oh, shoot. But still, it was. But you didn't die of heat exhaustion. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, we, we actually stayed relatively cool. We got you a breeze about, through the back of the facade. It was great. You asked about the, the role players from, from the 90s, like early 2000s team. I mean, there, there are so many guys that come to mind. I always loved that for whatever reason, Enrique Wilson could hit. Pedro Martinez and it's like he couldn't even really hit Pedro it's just like he wasn't as bad as everyone else so he would always get the start against Pedro like I always thought like I must suck to be Enrique Wilson be like the only games I get to start is against the greatest pitcher of this era (laughs) yeah that's a good way of putting it they used to always on the broadcast like Joe Torre was a genius but it couldn't have been fun for Wilson to have to just come off the bench cold to, to start yeah. a game <laughs> yeah it's like oh it's like I went one for four against Pedro and it's like oh you're you're awesome <laughs> <laughs> Andrew you got a couple more minutes left here yeah 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 all right I uh I gave you some uh prep material I'm I, super prepped. curious super curious in this um and, and you guys too you're you're gonna chime in I'd love to know the two to three best Yankee wins and the one to two worst losses of your lifetime. Uh, we've all been alive for a good amount of time. So we, we have a lot of games to choose from, but I'm curious if we're going to have any, any uh, layovers here with, uh, with our choices. You want me to do the worst losses or the biggest wins first? Let's get the losses out of the way. Let's talk, talk about the tough stuff. Okay. So this is a controversial one because some there's, Two like people differ on this. I think the worst loss is 2004 ALCS. Pick a game, game four, five, or seven, because um, all of those were equally hurt. I mean, six too, obviously, but like seven, they got their asses kicked. Four and five, it was right there. They could have won. Yeah. The next one is World Series 2001, game seven with Mo on the mound. People always say, well, if you had to pick one that you could change the outcome of, would you pick 01 or 04? Even though 01 would guarantee a World Series, I would still change the result of the 2004 ALCS, even if it meant they lost to the Cardinals. Because I think 
that would have it changed the course of the Yankees and Red Sox right there. And the Red Sox probably blow their entire organization up if they lost again in 2004. And the Yankees probably mop the floor with the Cardinals. But even if they don't, I'm okay with it because you beat the Red Sox again. So those to me are the the worst two. But a but a sneaky painful one for me is the Jabba Chamberlain Midges game. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm, that is a good one. Yeah, I, I've got a I've got a personal connection to that game because <laughs> I was offered box seats to that game because I went to school in Cleveland and I had a freshman freshman English. It was a seminar class we took. I'll, I'll keep this short, but. It was about it was um, about Beethoven was the whole point of the semester. And that same night, the Cleveland Orchestra was playing Beethoven, and our teacher had got tickets for everyone in the class to go, and we had to write a paper on it. And I literally tried it like this guy didn't know anything. His name Doctor Block didn't know anything about sports, and I was trying to explain to him like this is a playoff game, and I'm never going to have the chance to have box seats again. Like this is I, I can go to the symphony tomorrow. Like they're playing it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. I can see it tomorrow. I will go. I swear I'll buy the tickets myself. He's like, no, if you don't go tonight, you get a zero. Oh. Um, and that's a class where we had four papers. So a zero on one paper means I'm automatically signing myself up for a C. Yeah. Um, and oh, I still I still resent him to this day for that. Um, Although you missed, for that. I mean, you, you were saved one of the most painful losses of the 2000s. But maybe I could have like yelled at John. <laughs> yelled and like, they don't bite. Take your team off the field, yeah. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> they look like mosquitoes, but they don't bite. Just pull yeah. them off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Pull up Twitter before Twitter and uh, get that information. <laughs> yeah. That one. Because I loved that 07 team. I thought they had a lot of fight in the yeah. second half. And they, they were the best team in baseball after, uh, I think, July 1st on or something like that. Yeah, And I think they could have given the Red Sox a fight in the ALCS because they really played them well all year. I don't know if they would have won or not, but just like, I don't know, that loss always stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, good one. Ethan, what do you got? I was going to say the same as Andrew, actually, 04 ALCS and 01 Game 7. It, I those feel are like, the two. Yeah, I feel like they're the obvious choices, but they're obvious for a reason. Like, they are the most devastating losses of our lifetime. Like, easy, I think, you know, just objectively speaking. And, I mean, I agree with what you said, Andrew, also about – I would rather change 04, um, but I think it's still, when I look back on it, like the 2001 game, the fact that Mo at this point, I mean, he was invincible pretty much his whole career, but like we're looking at like five and six years or whatever, right? And like four in a row, he had been so good, like the ninth inning just, and then to get like a little bloop single, I mean, just all of those circumstances combined, it's just like, you know, the knife, the knife twisting, you know, that, that one is just, I think really, really crazy, but I do agree with you. I would. I think I would change 04 instead if I had to choose. But. Yeah, and Mo oh, Mo struck out. Mo struck out the side in the eighth inning. Eighth pitched inning. pitched a ton of innings in that World Series. I'm sure in the whole playoffs because Joe did not trust the bullpen like he did in previous years, which is you know probably what ultimately ended up catching up to them. But it, yeah, it looks like a conclusion that number four was coming. Matt, jump in with with your worst losses. Uh man, so um, I'm I'm trying to look to pinpoint the exact game here, but um, I want to say the '97 series loss to the Indians um, because I didn't really become Sandy a Alomar. Yankees fan until '96, and I remember I remember 
getting so high because I remember the back-to-back-to-back home runs. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to look up. So I remember Paul was number three, but it was Reigns, Jeter, O'Neal. Um, and I just, I don't know that, you know, being so high and that was just, that was just game one. Um, so the Yankees start off with this big victorious win and, oh, we're sending Paul O'Neill's bat to Cooperstown. And I saw it in the case of Cooperstown with a stupid cross tape that he did on his giant stick that he just like, I don't know, Paul was weird. Um, so to, to have, I mean, the Yankees were up two to one and to have them lose that series, I think is probably my first heartbreak as a, a Yankees fan. Um, I'll say 2001 definitely is number two. Um, that, that, that sucks. Stupid Luis probably used steroids <clears throat> Gonzalez. Yeah. He like hit 57 homers randomly one year. He like 31 was like his career high. Otherwise. It's okay yeah. guys. No one on the Yankees ever used. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no. They all were. I mean, yeah, this is 2001. I mean, this is, this is the height of it. So like Jason 2000... Grimsley was literally distributing from Yankee stadium. <laughs> and say, you know, Jason Grimsley. No, never. <laughs> well, 2001 is the answer for me. And the reason that I pick that one is because I think the organization had already shifted gears by the time 2004 rolled around. Like they, they had already changed what their philosophy was, you know, during the dynasty. And I just always remember the quote that uh, George, you know, said to, to Cashman after they lost that game, he was like, we tried it your way. It didn't work. We're going back to my way. And it's almost like, come on, really? Like it worked. <laughs> it worked with Watson. It worked with stick Michael uh, and, and it worked with Cashman. And then, you know, I mean, I think the results speak for themselves. Obviously there's a lot of other factors in play that have uh, made parody more, more of a regular thing in baseball, but I think the organization had already really shifted the way that they were moving in 2004. So like, you know, reflecting now and looking back on it, it's not as surprising to me that they lost in 2004, uh, but the most surprising loss and the most painful loss to me is, is that 2001 because it was right there and, and uh, who knows what it would have happened. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have gone out and signed Jason Giambi and, you know, made, made some pretty significant changes anyways. Cause a, a lot of those, you know, Neil retired, Bro just retired and there were changes coming, but, you know, I think, uh, I think Tori said it in his book, you know, they, they just lost the the character of those dynasty teams seemingly overnight, you know, with that pitch to Gonzo. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I think you read, were you talking about the, which book are you talking about? The, the Tory book or the Buster only book? Because I read, I think I read both. Have you guys read the Buster only book uh, last night of the Yankee dynasty? Yeah. It's a tough read as a Yankees fan, but it's also, it's also interesting because it, it goes back into the years that they were good too. But like, it just the Mariano's attitude in that in that game seven was was very odd oh, from what yeah, I remember yeah. from that book. Yep. Um, I and I can't. I, I wish I could recall why. I just remember think reading it and being like, "This is this is weird." How this is he spoke described. up. He spoke up in the clubhouse before the game. He rarely ever said. He, anything. Yeah, he never said anything. Yeah, and he decided that he needed to speak up and say like, "Hey, guys, like." We need to, you know, we, we can do this, you know, kind of like a rah rah speech yeah. from, from Mariano Rivera of all people. Um, that that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I got one more. Okay. That I watched specifically. I'm going to give you guys the date first and see. 
It's uh, September 2nd, 2001. It's against the Red Sox. Is that Moose? I was one nothing oh, game. The, yeah. the Carl Everett. Yeah, that one I remember. Yeah. I, I watched that, and I, I mean, there were, I always had a you know I always thought Carl Everett was a bit of a hothead anyway. So I already had this hatred for Carl Everett. So for him to be the the twenty seventh batter, pinch hit, break up the perfect game. Yeah, which also didn't realize I, I forgot yeah. that the Yankees didn't score until the, the top of the ninth because Cone was pitching Coney. a gem yeah. too. Mm-hmm. That was like the only good game he pitched against uh pitched for the Red Sox that year. He was terrible that year. Yeah. 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 And you know, you know who who um who scored that well, who who knocked in that one run? Enrique Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, of course. But yeah, I I that was that was heartbreaking just because I, I was a huge, huge Moose fan. I yeah. loved Moose. I remember um, that. So that was a tough one. Um well they but, won the game, but yeah, they won the game. Yeah. Yeah. I got one more. The 95 playoffs. Donnie finally makes it to the playoffs, you know, and then the Mariners win. Was that the wild card or was that the uh, division series? It was the division series. They didn't yeah. have the, 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 uh, Yanks were the, wild the Yankees were the wild That's card. Right. Team. Okay. And it was weird that the first two games were in Yankee Stadium and the last three were in Seattle. Yeah. Um, different format. Yeah. yeah right. Different format for it. But yeah, that, that was certainly a lot of people point to that one as the toughest loss. But it also, like, with, if they win, who knows if Showalter Buck, gets yeah. fired? Mm, yeah, and Joe Tor- like that win could have actually turned out uh, to be the best thing that the, for the Yankees for to to go on to win all those championships. It's kind of a yeah. sliding doors moment. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, let's talk about the wins then. Yeah, those let's, are going to be better. <laughs> let's end this on let's end this on a high note. Uh, and Andrew, kick us off. <laughs> so the most important win of our lifetime in the Yankees uh, was 1996 world series game four when Larritz hits the three run home run to tie it. And the Yankees win that game that ties the series Pettit then pitches a best game of his life the next night. And they win it game six. If they don't win that game, they probably don't win the, win the world series. And who knows if they go on to win all those championships. This one pains me to say it because freaking Aaron Boone, but 2003 game seven, <laughs> Yeah. And the single greatest sporting event I was ever at in my entire life is the 2017 wildcard game with the, the DD home run. Yeah. That's a cool one. Very cool one. Yeah. That, that boonie home run. I still watching it on the 13 inch TV, little bunny ear antenna TV in my room. And just like silently, like raising my hands. Like I can't <laughs> yell. Cause everyone in the house is asleep. But like, Oh my God, that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It, it caught everyone because it was the, I think it was the first pitch of the inning. Yeah. So it's like if you went to the bathroom or you went to get a drink, it's like you missed it. And that was when Wakefield was having his mythical season, right? That was when I, Wakefield was super good that year, right? Yeah, and he was going to be in there until basically yeah, his, his arm over. fell off. I mean, he threw a knuckleballer. He could have thrown 400 pitches. But, yeah, yeah he, was, he was basically going until the end of the game. Yeah. Ethan, what you got? Uh, I was going to say that also because um, there's a personal connection for me too. So I was watching the game with my dad and which uh, game? Which game? Um, oh, three, oh, three game seven uh, okay. with Booney. Yeah. And um, on the commercial break, and this is no joke. You guys can ask my dad next time you see him um, on the commercial break. He's like, you know, Booney's due. Or I don't know. If, I don't know if we were calling him Booney at that point, but you know, Boone's due. He's due. I can feel it. And, and then he comes up and he, and he hits the walk off. And of course, you know, it was it was wild and just very exciting, but um, so yeah, that's that's the one that comes to mind uh, uh, the first, I would say, yeah. 
for some of the more recent teams, like the 09, the World Series, uh, when uh, Damon does the double steal, that, yeah. that's probably the best game. That's the best win of that run, I think. Yeah. Was that game four, I think? Yeah, I think World it was game Series. four in Philly. Yep. Because uh, they were losing that game. Right, right. And, and then A-Rod and, had the big hit. Yeah, A-Rod had a big hit finally. I mean, he had a huge postseason the whole postseason, but still, like, none of us believed it was actually – happening don't, at the time don't feed colin's ego don't feed colin's <laughs> ego uh so that one was huge i'm trying to think of some other really big uh big important wins um against the mets the first game against the mets in the world series with the the timo perez uh yeah. whole play and everything yep that's a huge one or yeah, clemens I mean, throwing the bat at piazza <laughs> yeah that clemens fucking psycho no steroids there yeah. No. Just no. Unbelievable that fucking guy. He's and he had a huge. He was on. He was unhittable in that postseason. He struck out fifteen Mariners, I think. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, and then he in that game he threw the bat at Piazza. He pitched like eight innings and only gave up a hit. Yeah. He was unreal. Yeah. Yeah, because they tried to bring in someone to close it out, and uh, they had two on, and that's the other home run in the in the playoffs that Rivera gave up to Timo Perez to make it a, a one run game and, and then Rivera shut the door after that. Yeah. Um, so that they almost ended up blowing it. I remember, but uh, Matt, did you give us yours yet? No, I've said this one before to cap out, but Jeter's last game at home. Um, Fair. That was yeah. nuts. That was because well, we were there. Yeah. I mean, despite the headache, despite me wanting to sock the lady behind us in the face. Um, yeah, that's right. That was such, such, Oh, it was incredible. A cool moment. And, and just because the three of us in the eighth inning were like, you know, it'd be kind of kind of neat if Jeter got up and like walked it off. And then like Steve Pierce hits that the the go ahead or the tying or go ahead home run. I can't remember. That's like, oh man, this actually might happen now. Like, That's oh oh shit. Best blown um, save of David Robertson's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that game so, obviously that game didn't mean anything because the Yankees were not in the playoffs at that point, but yep. it felt like a playoff game. To, yeah. I was watching on TV, but yeah, I was just as fired up for that as any any playoff game. That was awesome. Better. And I did watch uh I, I got to watch live on TV Jambi's thirteenth or fourteenth inning um Walk off Grand Slam mm-hmm. in the rain when they were yeah, down three. Yeah, that was cool. That was that was pretty cool. Whatever you know, whatever you want to say about Giambi, and he was better than Nick Johnson. Like mm-hmm. you know, to tie it back to the conversation we were having about oh one or oh four. If the Yankees win in two thousand one, we probably all mentioned some of the comebacks in that series: the Brocious home run or yeah. the Tino home run, and then the yep. Mister November stuff. They're all great moments. Like I still love watching those moments, but the fact that they didn't win that series makes them less cool. Yeah. Even the Soriano home run in game seven to give them. I mean, the Soriano home run two two home runs in Yankees history that are just forgotten about because of the end result, the Soriano home run and the um, LeMahieu home run in Houston in 2019. Mm, Yeah. They're were Everyone was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Like top of the world. And then the next inning bottom. Like, yeah. So it's like instantly those home runs are just forgotten about. I, I already forget about that LeMahieu home run. That wasn't even a home run as much as it was just a, a swat to right field and like, holy shit, there's hope. And then nope. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. I would say the recent games that really stand out, that wild card game, I was so amped up when Didi hit that homer. 
Uh, the game against Houston also in 2017, the ALCS, I think maybe it was game four, um, not the one to nothing game, but the one where Sanchez had the double in the gap mm-hmm. uh, late in the game uh, and the crowd, game. <laughs> the crowd went crazy. Yeah. That, that was awesome too. Um, and I guess it goes back to what we were talking about uh, earlier. Since then, I just haven't felt the same. Have like any of us mentioned any games that <laughs> were managed by Aaron Boone. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I can't think of any, honestly, the savages in the box game is like his like high water moment for you know entertainment, uh, but that yeah. wasn't a great game. It was just like, it was a double header against week. Tampa in July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, but I tend to agree. The uh, game four of '96. Um, it's the turning point for the dynasty. Yeah, yeah. It's always a toss-up. Game four or five, but obviously five doesn't happen if four doesn't happen. So, um, you know, they're they're both really important. But definitely grateful <laughs> that it did because at least we have the dynasty always to to fall back on <laughs> even mm-hmm. if even if they never figure it out again in our lifetime so. and we, we're probably not going to see it from any team like yeah. think about like houston is for whatever you want to say about houston they have been the best team in baseball at least the american league them and the dodgers yeah and both of those teams have only won once yeah and the dodgers championship was last year and does anyone count that fully? Like, I don't yeah. know. So that, that those are carnival playoffs. Like, those two teams are the best of the last decade, basically. And they each have only one championship. So we're not going to see a nineties Yankees run ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. All right, Andrew, before we let you go, give us your way, 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 way too early prediction for 2022. How's it going to turn out? <laughs> like, uh, how are the Yankees going to do? I don't know. What's, yeah. who, who's going to be playing Catcher, shortstop, center field, first base. <laughs> um, tell me all of those things. Who's yeah. going to be the number four and five pitcher? And then, then maybe I'll give you an answer. Yeah, a lot of questions. I mean, they need us. They need so much. They need. Everyone talks about build up the middle. They don't have a catcher, shortstop, or center fielder. <laughs> yep, it's true. Yep. Come on, Aaron Hicks. We got him on a great deal. He's That's gonna right. stay healthy forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh man it's, well, it's like i'm not I'm, I'm like not dodging the question i it, it's impossible yeah, I, to answer yeah. if they don't make significant changes they're going to be bare, fighting for a wild card again yeah. like eight, eight, 88 to 92 wins again not good enough to go deep into the playoffs if they don't make major changes yeah yeah totally agree and uh, i'm interested to see what's going to happen especially with the the cba looming and how that might potentially change things. I, I don't really know, um, but should be an interesting off season. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be fans of this show uh, clamoring to have you back on Andrew to talk about uh, more positive things in Yankee land uh, <laughs> in the future. So, uh, but appreciate you taking the time. Uh, definitely go check out the Bronx pinstripe show uh, with Andrew and Scott. They're great. And uh, just again, really appreciate you hopping on. Of course, man. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Andrew. Right, Thanks guys. Thank you. Andrew's dangerous. <laughs> I could talk Yankees forever with him, and he knows yeah. so much. He, his yeah. memory for like specific games and shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Well, Colin, well, you're like that too. Colin's always been like that, and I don't, I don't remember any of yeah, that shit. Yeah, but a one hitter in fucking 2006, like in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, That's hilarious. Like, what? That was that was that was great. Like, yeah, that was pretty cool because we yeah. were doing college visits. So when he said 2006, that's spot on. Yeah, that is exactly when we were down there.
Yeah. And it was such a shitty game. Yeah. Well, there's a reason the show's so popular that he, that he does. I mean, uh, I think it I think in some ways it helps to be a fan if you you know, like can make that connection. You don't need to be a fan of a of a team to like cover them uh in a, in a sense, but you know, they're they're passionate um you know they connect with with the people who follow them and um they're knowledgeable too so um you know i definitely respect them and appreciate them taking or andrew taking the time today but um you guys want to do a a rapid fire of some uh some baseball stuff to knock this show off i mean i got a rant to go on oh yeah oh yeah that does yeah yes i I had another rant planned and i actually can't even remember what that was (laughs) You're trying to steal my thunder, dude. See, this is the problem. See, Matt's trying to, he's getting in on my territory for ranting. So that's why I'm getting in on the fucking beer talk territory. (laughs) Yeah, we're having a a flip flop here. Matt has a legitimate reason. Oh, he absolutely does. Oh, yeah. No, but Ethan, I mean, aside from Kyrie, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of rants out of you. So someone's got to fill that void. I feel like every time I talk is kind of ranty. Not everything is as extreme as the Kyrie one, for sure. But, you know, just the the tone of my voice and my general outlook on things, I feel like I kind of just rant all the time. That's kind of just how I speak. Well, well, so I'm going to launch it. We, we mentioned Kyrie. I'm going to quote my friend Matt from Cleveland today and say, at this point, and this was this was tough for me to swallow, but as I've, as I've processed over the last six hours, Aaron Rodgers, you are, you, you, you feel like right now, white Kyrie Irving to me. You feel like you are trying to be, Mr. Mysterious, I'm going to say some deep bullshit and quote the Princess Bride to my fellow quarterbacks in the quarterback room. But really, this contrarian bullshit attitude now, like, I don't, I mean, the, the report's out now that he's not, so for everyone listening, he, he tested positive for COVID today. He's, and he was immediately ruled out for the game this weekend, which means, which means he was not immunized. Excuse me, he was not vaccinated. He was not vaccinated because if he was vaccinated, he would have four days to prove to provide two negative COVID tests. They could potentially play in the, in the weekend game, but because he was not vaccinated, he has the non-vaccinated protocol for the NFL, which means he has 10 days, I think, before he can play again. So he, he stated earlier this year to the press that he was immunized, which is bullshit. And then it comes out today that he was actually petitioning the league for an alternate, like, alternate allowance or alternate uh, approval of his immunization status for whatever batshit reason he, he could come up with. But the fact is he did not get the Johnson and Johnson or the co or the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccines. He did not satisfy the league's re, re, you know reasons for it or rules for it. And the fact that this comes on the heels of his, you know, Halloween costume that he worked on for a year and grew his hair out, which, by the way, it was a great John Wick costume. I thought he did great. I loved it. But it comes on the heels of that, where he had an extended weekend away to do whatever Halloween bullshit he wanted to do with future wife Shailene Woodley. Um, that it just it's it's a even worse look now. Um, so this is all over the place. But what I'm saying is, holy shit, Aaron! Like <laughs> for someone, you know, your your philosophizing and your you know pretend deep philosophical contrarian mythical questionable comments now just look like just look like i mean to to me you know i i have no problems comparing you to flat earther you know kyrie irving you're white kyrie kyrie irving now everything ethan said a couple weeks ago i can say about you now which is terrifying and disappointing 
um, because I thought you had more sense than that. And I'm probably breaking some rule because I'm technically an NFL owner and he's, you know, works for me. um, (laughs) That's right. But we should, this is, we should keep a count on that. How many times Matt has mentioned that that he's an owner on the podcast. (laughs) I mean, technically I had to sign the agreement. I had to sign the owner's agreement. Oh man. That's why I I can't bet on the NFL. Um, (laughs) But I just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's really depressing. It's really, it's really disappointing. Um, you know? I mean, here's, here's something like <clears throat> just in general, think about when we were in high school and, and this is no offense to either of you because you were both excellent high school athletes, but what is the general sort of, uh, um, stereotype or the general kind of opinion of athletes in high school? Are they considered the fucking the brightest are they generally considered like the fucking sharpest, mentally speaking, the most forward thinking, the most progressive? No. So why do we expect like professional athletes to be on the forefront of any of this? Like they're not going to be. These are the same fucking dumb jocks that we, you know, I mean, I used to make fun of Colin for this, but I did it ironically because he's not dumb. But like these are these same people that were like that in high school. Like we shouldn't expect them to all. They got rich really, really young, rich and famous, really, really young. So it's not surprising that a lot of these people are going to be like crazy and stupid. I think you're, that makes your people like uh, Clayton Kershaw and shit like that. And Max Scherzer, that makes them even more impressive. I think they're more outliers. Well, well, I mean, to quote, I'm going to quote Matt here because it was a pretty good one, but said, imagine you're a receiver and you alligator arm a ball over the middle because you can feel the safety headhunting you and you know, you, you know, you know, you're going to get lit up and you get back to the huddle and this motherfucker is giving you side eye like, oh, you can have health concerns for your you know, vaccination status. Uh, but, you know, that take that takes precedent over like my, you know, my football injury that you can have on the field, which I know it's a bit of an extreme example there. But still, like, um, I don't know. I, I just. Ah, ah, I, I, I'm, I'm speechless at this point. Um, I, I, there goes the number one seed in the first round by right now. Um, obviously players health, you know, is more important than any of that. So I hope he recovers. I hope everyone, you know, regardless of their choice for vaccination or not, and I don't want to see people die, but it, it just, it, 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 it's hard to feel bad for them. <laughs> it's hard to feel like, yeah. like any remorse, um, you know, and especially when he had this kind of sleight of hand, well, I've been immunized from COVID. Well, no, that's, that's nonsense speak whatever the fuck shaman that you went and saw when you were backpacking across, you know, the greater Southwest with Shailene, um, like didn't heal you or immunize you from COVID. The vaccine does that. And that's it. That's funny. Sorry. I'm just angry. And I don't know how to put words to it. And I thought I had coherent things to say, but I don't. I just, dude, the best rants are not coherent. Don't worry about it. Rants are just supposed to be, uh, um, rage uh, verbalized. That's it. Just yeah, rage verbalized in the moment. Eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you you were plenty coherent. It totally makes sense. And and you have every right. I mean, I don't care that much because I don't follow the NFL that much and I'm not a Packers fan. But like, yeah, the principle of it is really disappointing. Um, and the selfishness, I think, of it is really disappointing because you know that he knew that if he tested positive, and if you're not vaccinated, you are way, 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 way more likely to contract the virus. I don't know what the actual numbers are, the percentage. I'd have to look up what the current percent is or whatever. But you know that he knew that. 
And so he was, you know, the quarterback, the leader of this team, one of the, what, top three quarterbacks in history, probably. Um, you, he knew that he was putting, potentially putting his team and his team's chances in serious jeopardy. And he chose to do that anyways. Now, it'd be one thing if we knew that he had some sort of um, extenuating health circumstance that, that, you know, made him not want to get the vaccine for some reason. I'll eat um, my words if that's the case. Yeah, like, sure. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. And so would I. I would say, OK, totally. Yeah, that makes sense. But, this, you know, and if that comes out, sure. Great. But uh, as of now, we can assume that that's not the case and that he, for whatever reason, has just decided that he doesn't want to get the vaccine. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's the selfishness of it, I think, is is pretty disappointing. Well, the other thing, too, here, and this is what's developing right now, um, I mean, the NFL has said they're going to come down harshly on teams that don't follow COVID vaccination policies. Um, and so his because he's not vaccinated and he was speaking with the media without a mask on and he was on the side of them without a mask on, it shows that the Packers as an organization are not following mm. COVID policies the NFL set out. So we're looking at massive penalties and massive fines in the NFL too. And you know what? Go ahead, NFL, do it. Like, um, shame on the Packers. Um, you know, I, I can envision a scenario where they're so worried about keeping Aaron happy because of all the nonsense that happened this 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 past off season that they let him do what he wants. And that's not the way. I mean, it doesn't work in a factory. It doesn't work on an NFL field. Um, there's rules. You got to follow them. Um, and with it coming out that he's not vaccinated, it's very clear that he's not following the rules and the Packers aren't following the rules. And there's going to be, there's going to be repercussions for that. And it's going to suck. And, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's as high as lap loss of a draft pick. Um, you know, there's going to be a massive fine, I think, and it might be a loss of a draft pick. And wow. that, that sucks. <laughs> it sucks. But guess what? You know, you let it happen, Green Bay. Yep. yep. Definitely. Should we end on a year that happier? we're going all in? To win the freaking <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 All right. That's enough. I'm done. I think that puts a bow on today's episode. I think we've depressed people enough. Yeah, really. This has everything. been a negative one. A negative <laughs> hey, show. Shout out I barely to the even Vicks talked living in, this one. in Avon, uh, Ohio. Thank you for listening. I miss you guys. I can't wait to see you next time I'm back home. Um, sorry, I had to give it one more shout out. Talk to Landry's. I got I to shout out to Vix. Cool. <laughs> well, next week we have plenty of baseball that we can get into. World Series reaction. There's already oh, yeah, we didn't ton. even talk about <laughs> <laughs> World Series reactions. Uh, ton oh, happening. God. Ton happening around the league already. Uh, and so we have plenty to talk about, even though the long dark off season is here. And uh, maybe we'll we'll be able to finally fit in some of those other sports that people are clamoring for. But <laughs> tennis, <laughs> F1 racing, <laughs> professional bowling. That's right. So stay tuned. You guys want to say anything before we go? Nope. Uh, that's it. Adios, everyone. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.